A lot of what we do here at FX Medicine is made possible by the generous collaboration of our many guests and contributors. We extend our heartfelt thanks as we continue our education of evidence-based complementary medicine. FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line again today is Dr. Adrian Lepresti, who's a clinical psychologist in private practice, managing director of his own contract research organisation and senior researcher at Murdoch University, Western Australia. He's over 20 years of clinical experience working with children and adults suffering from a range of mental health conditions. He has experience in a range of psychological therapies and has received extensive training in nutritional and lifestyle treatments for mental health disorders. Dr. Lopresti regularly publishes in peer-reviewed high-impact journals on numerous disorders and has completed several clinical trials investigating the effects of curcumin, saffron and ashwagandha in the treatment of anxiety and depression in children and adults. Welcome back to FX Medicine. Adrian, how are you? Good, Andrew. Thanks for having me back. Now, today we're, we're going to be discussing something that isn't often attributed to a treatment with mood disorders, depression, anxiety, and that's probiotics. So I guess we've got to start. What's the current research showing with regards to the effects of probiotics on depression and anxiety? Yeah, the, the research certainly is accumulating. Certainly the, um, there's, there's more and more interest about the, the gut-brain connection and, and its potential in terms of uh, influencing depression and anxiety. And obviously uh, you know, there's been um, increasing interest looking at the potential impact of probiotics as antidepressants or anti-anxiety agents. And uh, there's there's... Some recent reviews that have been uh, completed and, and published, which which indicate that um, probiotics certainly may have some benefits uh, in improving uh, depression in, in adults. Uh, there's less research in relation to anxiety, but certainly uh, there's certainly uh, some positive uh, data coming out there. One of the things that's always interested me is something I learned from being an integrative medicine practitioner, and that was. 95% of our serotonin is not made in our brains. It's made in our gut by our enterochromaffin cells. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. That's just the thing that often people uh, forget to kind of keep in mind is that, yes, most of our serotonin is produced in the, in the gut, uh, not in, in the brain. Now, whether, you know, what impact that has on, on cognitive function and, and mental health, we're not quite sure, but certainly... Uh, there's lots of neurotransmitters, not just serotonin, but other neurotransmitters that are also produced in the gut, and uh, and they maybe have kind of had far-reaching health effects. So, how do probiotics work to promote or support mental health? I, I guess my question here is, you know, we're talking about the gut-brain axis, but the feelings of depression and anxiety. I know the visceral effects. But the the depression symptoms, if you like, are purported, or the target tissue is the brain. So there's that lag time, is it, between you know what you give the gut? How does it affect the brain? I, so I, I'm wondering how strong is the the effect of probiotics here? Well, there's 
I mean, the, the effects seem to, to be... So I suppose with a lot of the probiotic research that's been conducted, there, a lot of the research has actually been conducted on on healthy individuals. And, and what they're looking at is, you know, does giving probiotics improve mood in healthy individuals? Now, unfortunately, you're not going to see dramatic changes because yeah. they're already pretty... You know, the mood is already pretty good to start off with. But those where those, those studies where they actually use probiotics with people with you know clinical forms of depression, then we're actually seeing you know moderate effects uh, of the of probiotics on on mood. So certainly, uh, yeah, it's not a magic pill, um, but and I think it's part of an integrated holistic approach. Uh, it could be used as a as an extra tool to help improve people's mood. Obviously, we need to look at other stresses that are going on. We need to look at diets, and, and we've got to be careful about them thinking, okay, probiotics is this magic pill that we can just give everybody. But but it could be an adjunct or an additional treatment option for people who are working with uh, with mental health sufferers. So, you know, you mentioned diet there and Felice Jack has done some awesome work. Indeed, you've worked with Felice Jacka, correct? Oh, yeah, I've written a paper with uh, with Felice uh, and certainly, um, you yeah, know, she's done some amazing work looking at, at the impact of diets and the relationship between diets and and depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. So, uh, and uh, she's also done some really nice research uh, looking at uh, yeah, the Mediterranean-based diet as a treatment for depression, which which came out with some really positive results. Mm. So, you know, then we've got the food modulating the gut microbiota. We know that a plant-based diet affects the microbiota within days. How, you know, where do we where do we place probiotics here? I guess on a, as a strategy or as a priority, the diet's got to be first, right? Yeah, the diet's the diet's got to be well, absolutely. The diet's got to be first, but the problem you've got is um, that when you're when you're experiencing low mood or when you're experiencing anxiety, making dietary changes can be extremely difficult. Right. So, so you know, ideally, yes, you know, let's eat a plant based you know diet. Uh, let's uh, improve. You know, drink more water. Let's uh, increase our kind of um, you know lean protein and good fats and things like that. But when you when you're struggling to get out of bed and you're um, and you've got no motivation to do anything, your energy's low, you're sleep deprived. It's extremely difficult to then spend time kind of uh, dedicating time to to improving your diet. So while I absolutely believe that diet is an integral part, maybe for some people they're not quite ready yet, and that's where you can look at maybe. Well, you know, let's look at kind of supplements or probiotics to help them along the way. So even if we probiotics could potentially improve their mood by 10%, that will then make it easier for them to incorporate dietary changes. Gotcha. And I guess this is part of your personalised integrative therapy, correct? Yeah, it's really looking at um, identifying the potential causes of what's contributing to somebody's uh, mental health problems, whether it's... Uh, Diet stress, and it needs to be very individualised. For some people, um, their diet's really, really good, um, and, uh, and dedicating a lot of effort towards improving that diet even further may not result in, in dramatic gains. Right. Um, right. But maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe prior, you know, maybe they've got some uh, abnormal changes in their micro, microbiota microbiota profile. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they've been had a long history of antibiotic use or things like that. And you know, maybe probiotics can potentially help them. Yeah, but we're not quite sure who probiotics work best for. Ah. And we're still far, 
we're still need, you know, need to look into that in greater detail. Maybe maybe it works better with people with digestive problems. Maybe it works people oh, better see. with people with a history of antibiotic use. We're not quite sure. All right, so I'm going to ask you the question, how do you choose the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. right probiotic? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is this is the thing. It's it's. I mean, for me, I'm looking at, um, you know, I do a really good assessment and just try to determine how much do I think um, the gut could potentially be impacting on mood? Where, where do I need to put my effort towards? Is it is it that there's lots of stress going on in somebody's life and, and that's really where I need to dedicate my energy towards? And is it that there's other medical conditions, uh, chronic pain or things like that, that maybe we need to kind of work on first? Is it... Um, you know, some coping skills that we need to work on or is it they're, they're, they're not exercising or they're not sleeping or and we need to work on, on that stuff first. Um, but generally, you know, when there's ongoing stress, you can probably pretty much assume that the gut is probably having an effect because stress would certainly affect the micro uh, the microbiota So, and it can also lead to kind of leaky gut and things like that. So if we can give something either through dietary intervention or probiotics to help kind of um, improve that kind of gut-brain communication, then, then maybe it's something worth looking at. Okay, you mentioned assessment, and obviously there's a scale of severity there. So when would you prioritise that we really need to be looking at you know, acute, um, even pharmacological treatments over lifestyle and, and other interventions? Well, I mean, when, when we look at kind of your, your pharmacological treatments, um, you know, they, the research seems to indicate that that works better for more your severe forms. And, and I think that uh, when somebody's coming in with, with severe depression and they just lack the kind of drive or, or um, motivation to or, or energy um, to make any changes, and then that's when then, then certainly I think pharmaceutical medications may be of benefit initially if we can just reduce the, the intensity of their symptoms um, by 20%, so for example. And then once they're at that stage, then then maybe they're ready to incorporate some behavioral changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and so that's very individualized. And you know, a lot of it, it's about me doing my assessment and going, okay, what changes do I think need to occur for this individual sitting across from me? Um, but also then, for, then going, you know, what changes are they able to make? What changes are they willing to make? And, and also, you know, one of the things that's still, while more and more understanding about the gut-brain connection is occurring, it's still quite a foreign concept for a lot of people. You know, how can the gut affect our mood? You know, they're two different organs um, is what, you know, people are kind of still at. So we need to make sure that we're educating people and for, uh, for them to understand that, you know, make, uh, how how the gut can affect the brain, and uh, and I do a lot of psychoeducation first, and and you know provide them with as much information. I've got lots of kind of resources and booklets that I give them um, that help them to understand why we're doing what we're doing. I got to say, this comes up time and time again. The the well prepared practitioner has good handouts. Um, yeah. you know, to give to their patients so that they themselves can take charge of their their condition and be empowered. It's really important, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, this is the other thing. You know, you've got somebody who's who's depressed, anxious. I mean, how much are they actually hearing mm, what I'm yes. saying? Uh, and uh, what... And now, how many... They walk out of the office and they go, what was actually covered? Um, and maybe they didn't hear it as much as I thought they heard. So it's really important for me to then give them some information... Uh, some written information or, or 
or, you know, even to get him into watch, uh, you know, videos or YouTube clips that provide some further consolidation of what we've talked about because they're not going to remember a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. And I have lots of clients who come in and they go, and they said they've seen other practitioners and I go, what did you cover with them? Yeah. You know, what things were discussed? And they go, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and if you can give them, you know, I've got, I've got a workbook, you know, tiny, just, just small workbooks for, uh, you know, the gut brain connection. I've got one for, uh, sleep. I've got one for physical activity. I've got one for diet, nutrition side of things. And, and just to give them just a handout, um, that they can then take away. They've got it there. They can refer back to it. Um, and in there, you know, is activities. Usually they have ch- checklists and questionnaires that they can do to yeah. help them uh, to incorporate changes for themselves. And I guess this would be really important when we're dealing with conditions that require support, family support, uh, significant others' support. So uh, these handouts would be so important in educating them so that they're aware at least of what what sort of track you're taking. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So we again think about the, the gut-brain stuff. If we're working on the gut to improve somebody's depression, and they, uh, you know, and they're going to a party and and where there's family members, and and they and they go, I'm trying to eat healthy because I'm improved, trying to improve my mood, for example. Now people are going to be sitting there going, well, how's that going to affect your mood? Just take an antidepressant, that will fix it. Um, and they, if they don't understand, um, they're not going to provide that that support that that person needs. Yeah. So. Uh, so it's really important that people uh, can have the resources so they can also educate uh, family members and, 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 and other uh, social connections and things like that. So. Can I just delve a little bit into what you said there with regards to an antidepressant? Uh, you know, these are very commonly drugs that prevent the reuptake of a neurotransmitter at the synapse, therefore leaving the neurotransmitters there at the synapse to do their job. But it doesn't make the neurotransmitter to be released. This is nutrition, isn't it? Yeah, well, this is nutrition. This is this is the gut. You know, we know that uh, certainly, you know, obviously you need protein and you need the, you know, the, the, the nutrients, the vitamins and minerals to help protect to produce those neurotransmitters. And, and even the microbiota, we're seeing that, you know, things that kind of degrade uh, serotonin are uh, uh, stress hormones, cortisol. Yeah. And, yeah. and we know that the, the gut, the microbiome, can affect our levels of cortisol. So, so potentially by treating the gut, you're reducing cortisol, and yet therefore, as a consequence of that, you're increasing serotonin. Um, we know that the vagus nerve can also... Uh, have an impact on neurotransmitter activity, and the microbiome impacts on the vagus nerve. Of course, um, you know of you've got the gut also affects tryptophan metabolism. So again, you target the the microbiome, and you're potentially increasing neurotransmitters there. You know, the gut's a form of you know uh, it could be a form of inflammation going on, and uh, we know that inflammation will lower serotonin production. So by potentially treating the microbiome, potentially treating the gut you're reducing inflammation, and as a consequence, you're increasing uh, serotonin and other neurotransmitters. Now, of course, you know, we're talking about the microbiome, microbiota of the gut, and we're, you know, a dysfunctional microbiota is what we'd call dysbiosis. Mm -hmm. Then there's this issue of, well, what bugs help the gut to make the neurotransmitters and what bugs are detrimental to that balance, if you like. So that comes into measurement, that comes into assessment, and I really question whether we're here yet with regards to what is a good or a normal 
microbiome. What What's your opinion of that? Yeah, well, you're right. You're absolutely right there. I think you're trying to identify the perfect microbiome. Is, is we're, we're not going to be at that stage, and I think it's very culture-dependent too, depending on what oh, we're eating and yes. things like that. Yes. Um, but I think it, kind of the general consensus is that we need to ensure that we've got diversity in our gut microbiome. Right. Um, and so, so if... If I, you know, for example, did a, a test on the microbiome, I'm really kind of looking at diversity, and that's probably my initial um, measure there. So, but if you're looking at any particular strains or, or, or you know, or, or bacteria or things like that, then I think, you know, we're certainly not there yet. Yeah, like you know, we'd like to use the strain that works, the best strain, but it appears that the research is using vastly different species and strains here. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, this is the thing when you're looking at um, probiotics. Yeah, you know, obviously, if I do research on saffron for depression, I know that it's saffron that I'm giving. Yeah. Um, whereas if I'm doing a, if you're looking at some of the research on probiotics, you're looking at, you know, very different strains, uh, the species and strains that might be kind of administered. And so is it probiotics or is it the strain that was important? Mm. Um, and and which ones uh, should you give and how much should you give and for how long should you give and we don't know. Uh, you know. The researcher from general rule, if you're looking at probiotics in general, it kind of works. You know, it needs to be given for at least four weeks. That's where kind of the research seems to be indicating that. Uh-huh. But, um, but I, I'm not confident in going. This form of probiotic uh, is better than another one. You know, I don't think there's enough oh, enough evidence there to to lean one way or the other. Okay. What about those that might be favouring the small intestine versus the large intestine, i.e. the lactobacilli versus the bifidobacterium? That's oversimplified, way oversimplified, but just to give an idea, do, do you tend to choose one over the other? Well, the, the one that, um, the review that recently came out, um, I mean, basically it was the, what they kind of concluded, and again, it was, you know, of limited kind of research to form definitive conclusions. But mm. what they seem to think was that it was a combination of the lactobacillus with the bifidobacterium, for example, together. Okay. That seemed to work best. But, uh, but there wasn't a lot of uh, lot of research there. And there's another study that, um, you know, the, that was done for uh, women with postnatal depression and then they looked at kind of lactobacillus rhamnosus and that one seemed to work really well for them. But... You know, would the combination have worked even better? I don't know. Yeah. Now, was that a particular strain of rhamnosis? Was that the GG? Uh, that one there, the one with postnatal depression, I think it was the HN, uh, I think it's HN001, I think it was. Right. Um, for that one, that was a... Um, study that was done. And of course, something I'm mindful of is, you know, people with depression often have poor sleep. We know that sleep affects microbiota. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like, where do you start? How do you tease it apart? Where do you intervene? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, this is, this is again, you know, this is where you look at that integrative approach. It's kind of going, you know, what potentially is going on? Um, and we know that, you know, we know that sleep will affect the microbiota. We know that sleep will affect neurotransmitters. We know that sleep will affect cortisol production. We know that sleep mm. will affect inflammation. And all those factors have been associated with depression and anxiety. But then on the same, you know, we've also, if we think about exercise, we know that exercise, again, does all those things too. Uh, so, so potentially you could treat the microbiome 
through exercise. Yep. Uh, and now the stress does all that. So you could potentially create the microbiome by, um, through stress reduction. Um, so it's not just diet, although I think if you, if you want to target the microbiome, it's through diet and, and obviously incorporating you know, lots of prebiotics and things like that, uh, food time prebiotics. But, um, but you can certainly target the microbiome through stress reduction, through uh, exercise through sleep uh, and all those different factors. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about diet, and you know, I mentioned a plant-based diet, and yet there's these fermented foods as well that are favoured um, by certain cultures, like the kefir, the, the kimchi, the you know sauerkraut, that sort of thing. Do you tend to uh, encourage the use of fermented foods as well as or as a starting point or is it more the sort of the plants, you know, just yeah. the plant by intake? Um, I probably, I mean, really, it's I go, look, here are your different options. Uh, you know, we can kind of improve the gut-brain connection through through all these different ways and one of them is through increasing certain plant-based foods or, or, or fermented foods or, uh, or probiotics or prebiotics. Um, and I kind of present that to them, and then they kind of make that decision. I mean, I'll probably because I don't, I personally don't eat a lot of fermented food, so it's you know that's probably impacting on my bias. You know, I'm kind of sitting here telling people to eat fermented foods, and I don't. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, although it, it's probably beneficial for me to do that and for others to do that, but it really is kind of going. You know, if some people, some people from some certain cultures, they go fermented foods, great. I'm, um, I'm really interested in incorporating that, and I can definitely do that. And then you've got others go, look at me weirdly. Um, and, you know, <laughs> you mean you mean that. rotten plant <laughs> stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so again, it's like present the options and go. Look, here are the here are ways that we can target the microbiome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know which ones are you? Well, firstly, here is we provide education about the connection and how we can improve the brain by improving the gut. And then once you've then done that and they understand that, that process and how it can potentially improve their mood, then you go, now here are some ways that we can improve uh, your gut and uh, you know, where do you want to start? And, and maybe it's two or three changes that they set in the first week. Right. Uh, and then they kind of, uh, and they set, you know, I'm very much into getting people to set real specific goals, you know, your smart goals. Yeah. What is it that you're going to do this week? What changes are you going to do? And let's kind of put them down, and let's let's just target those first, and then and then they come back the following week, and we see how that they've they've kind of progressed with that, and then we might either modify the goals or add new goals, or you know just depending on on where they're at. You know, I've never heard of probiotics in, instigating a serotonin syndrome episode, but you know, what well, other strategies or nutrients do you favour? Do you tend to use to support this gut-brain connection, i.e., the manufacture of these neurotransmitters? Like, for instance, yeah. um, uh, 5-hydroxytryptophan. Um, you mentioned tryptophan. Do you ever use these sort of thing agents as well as probiotics? Yeah. I. I... Personally, don't use um, 5-HGP uh, only because in, in WA, you know, it's not a listable, of course. Um, listable yeah. product. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm really kind of careful from an insurance point of view to, to certainly do that. So, um, I'm, I mean, the thing that we've got to keep in mind is there's several ways we can target the microbiome. I and mean, we're using things like omega-3s. Oh, um, so I'm very much into, you know, that seems to have an impact on the microbiome. So, so fish oils... 
uh, magnesium, uh, there's been some research there that also shows that it, it, it can alter the microbiome. So, um, and and my theory around kind of curcumin, uh, around its impact, its mood-enhancing effects, is is a lot of it. It's you know there's an issue around bioavailability. Uh, so curc- curcumin and saffron, maybe it works by altering the gut microbiome. Mm. Uh, so you can use herbs and spices. So it doesn't have to be. Uh, and then obviously you're altering the microbiome and then you're reducing inflammation and then as a result you're increasing uh, serotonin production in the brain. Okay. Any other nutrients or um, food-type medicines that you'd use? I've, um, yeah, I, I, sometimes uh, with some clients, particularly if they uh, struggle with with making significant changes in their diet, we'll all use kind of prebiotic supplements like inulin and, uh-huh. and lactulose and things like that. So uh, there's been some research looking at the, the prebiotics, the effects of prebiotics as a uh, as an antidepressant, and the research hasn't been um, that great. But again, those studies have been on healthy people uh, and looking at their mood-enhancing effect in healthy people. So uh, whether the use of prebiotics in people with clinical depression or clinical anxiety um, can have an effect. But I think, you know, simply adding, uh, you know, I, I like to, I often get my clients to actually, you know, create a, have a, a what I call a mood-boosting smoothie every day. So uh, where they, you know, put some protein in, they put some inulin powder or whatever it is they might use, uh, you know, berries and um, and, and uh, healthy fats. And they just kind of create a nice smoothie that's, Potentially increasing, you know, your B vitamins and your proteins, but also providing some nourishing food for the for the gut. With regards to research on healthy individuals, look, I can understand with a drug you want to show a pharmacological effect, i.e., a forcing of that agent to change biochemical um, processes. But when we're talking about foods which nurture and nourish our system, they don't force us to do stuff. I wonder about the relevance of doing research on, say, a probiotic in a healthy individual who doesn't necessarily need it. Well, I think a lot of that has got to do with the claims that companies can make, unfortunately. I think that uh, there's a... If you uh, use a, uh, an ingredient on a clinical population, you can't make claims. Um, uh, so, so the research has to be done on a healthy population uh, so that the way the company can make claims on their product. Um, and so uh, if I'm trying to... If, if, if I uh, had a, an ingredient and I did a, a study on people with clinical depression... Um, the TGA is not going to allow me to make claims on that group because they were a clinical group. Uh, I can only make claims and say, look, this has mood, it can improve mood in healthy individuals. So so this is the problem that we have is that if you want to make claims you, uh, from a supplement point of view, you need to do it in a healthy population. That seems nonsensical, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, this is the problem. You know, a lot of the studies, if you then kind of, if you or a company and you're going, okay, I want to do a clinical trial on my product. If you use a clinical population, then uh, you're not going to be able to make a therapy, you know, because you can't make those hiring claims. Mm. So let's go into that. Do you, when you're looking at research that's been done on probiotics um, and you're saying, okay, well, you know, this is a fair trial, that's a fair trial, do you, do you look at these and pick them apart and look at bias and things like that? Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. You have to... 
The problem we've got is that it, it can be quite difficult if you don't know how to kind of read research and try to understand the, the study design and the kind of pick at it, and even the statistical analyses that they use. Um, you, know, you need to have a bit of a background to be able to understand that. And, uh, and, and I certainly do. When I'm seeing a, a study, I'm seeing a paper, I'll read through the paper and go, okay, what was the design like? Um, you know, what analyses did they use? Um, and obviously, you know, who funded uh, the company, if I funded the study, but the problem with that is that, you know, who else is going to fund the study? You know, so there's always going to be that element there. But yeah. you know, was it a good design study? Um, and was it another conclusion appropriate? And, uh, and you've, got to, you've got to be careful because sometimes I, uh, I see on, on the internet, you know, that this ingredient had a significant effect on mood or whatever it might be. And then I look at the study and it was a really weak study. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know that's where you need to make sure that if you, you know if you see a study, you see some of the claims, you know just look into it in a bit more detail. Uh, I think it's very difficult to make conclusions on open label studies, yeah. uh, so if there's no uh, placebo control or some type of control group, because we know that just the passage of time um, results in improvements in mood. Um, so if I see, you know, I've seen. For example, you know, you know, some ones on, on magnesium, which I, I I believe that magnesium has you know benefit. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the studies are open label studies. Yeah. And I know from my work, from my research, that just putting people on the placebo, they they get twenty to thirty percent better. So, uh, so we need to make sure that there's some type of control group. Yeah, and I I guess you know you're in a particular profession where. Because you're dealing with emotions, placebo is going to be a massive impact, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean certainly placebo. You know, there's research showing that placebo actually kind of changes uh, uh, certain hormones and things like that. So, so we're seeing that effect. And and the other thing that happens is just the passage of time. You know, the research shows that I think the, the figures are that you know, twenty to thirty percent of, of people with depression um, will experience a remission over three months just with the passage of time. Gotcha. So, um, and then over a year, about 50% of people will experience a remission in their depressive symptoms over a year. So a lot of people just get better with time. Mm. Now, whether that's things that they then change or whether the stressor that was, that was triggering the depression or anxiety has been resolved, but um, yeah, times are pretty, pretty effective uh, treatment too. Can I just go back to other things that you use, other strategies to support the gut-brain connection. What about soothing foods or even soothing herbs? And I guess I, I'm thinking here with regards to, for instance, gastrointestinal upset with anxiety. You're not necessarily treating the anxiety, but you're soothing the GI upset. Do you tend to favour those sort of foods and, and herbs like soups or, you know, herbal formulae with uh, bitter candy tuft in them? You know that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I think. That, I mean, there's, there's. I mean, there's, we, we, I've talked about the, the micro you know, dysbiosis and potentially uh, that effect in, on mood. And then obviously there's you know, your gut inflammation and there's your, your leaky gut, which also some research is, is indicating that you know people with depression and anxiety have your leaky gut. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to um, to provide those soothing. Uh, foods and even supplement formulas, you know, things like your, your glutamines and your, your aloe veras and, and, and things like that, yeah, mm-hmm. the different combinations of those, those herbal uh, ingredients, which can be quite soothing 
uh, anti-inflammatory for the gut and may potentially help improve um, you know, intestinal permeability or that leaky gut. So uh, absolutely, I think that's, uh, that could be a, a component of someone's intervention for sure. And we were mentioning before about the various doses, strains, species, in, all, in the various products, the plethora of products that are coming out on the market now um, with regards to probiotics for the use in depression and anxiety. So what's your preference? Do you, do you go in hard or do you gently nudge things along? With the, with the probiotics? Mm. I mean, mm. Yeah, well, with the probiotics, uh, at the moment, I'm probably choosing you know, one with multiple strains in there. So that's uh, where I'm kind of leading towards... Um, at the moment, there's been a couple of studies uh, for depression where they've used, well, just for people, there's the Lactobacillus helveticus um, R0052 right. and the Bifidobacterium longum um, R0175. There's been a couple of studies, some nice studies looking at uh, those for depression. So, there's, so if there's a product that contains those uh, strains, I might kind of lean towards, towards that one there. Yeah. Um, there's, an, uh, there's a really interesting study uh, which was published and uh, looking at the probiotic treatment for bipolar disorder. Oh. Um, yeah, and this one here was really interesting because what they did was uh, people after um, they were uh, released, or well, they went to a hospital for, you know, because of the manic episodes or the depressive episode. Um, and then they were given, after they left hospital, they were given a probiotic for 24 weeks. And, uh, and they wanted to look at rehospitalization over that 24 week period. And what they found was that by giving them the probiotic, it reduced the rates of rehospitalization. So, I think I've got here that you know it was 24 people on the placebo were rehospitalised over this period, versus only eight on the probiotic. So it was a significant mm. reduction in rehospitalisation, and even the length of stay in hospital was significantly lower. So the people on the probiotics, they stayed in the hospital for about eight days, and, and sorry, the people on the placebo stayed in the hospital for about eight days, and then those people on the probiotic were only in there for about three days. So it reduced the rehospitalization rate and the length of time in hospital. And the one they used was a Lactobacillus rhamnosus strange GG. Yep. And the Bifidobacterium anomalous lactose strain BB12. That's cool. There's a, there's a nice study there. I'm happy to, to send you the, the links to that. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to put them up on the FX Medicine website. I was also noting uh, the the species and strains that you mentioned was in a paper by Wallace that I was looking at, that effects of probiotics on symptoms of depression, um, okay. the, the Helveticus and the Bifidobacterium longum. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's been, a, I think, a couple of studies on on, on those combinations. So, well, so, yeah, I mean, and look, I'm not, and if you can find them and can use them, then, then great. Uh, otherwise, I just kind of go, okay, let's, let's look at a good quality company with um, you know some good strains in there and, um, and mix it up and see how we're going to go from there. What about probiotic containing foods, yogurts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, certainly if we can uh, get people to have, you know, for a lot of people that might be the, the starting point is things like yogurt. Um, I'm not overly confident about your, your I think you can, can you buy your kimchi drinks in Woolworths and things like that these days? Um, yeah, I'm not sure how, how great they are. But I've seen <laughs> Give me the kimchi. Drinks. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, or kombucha. I can't remember. I think it was kombucha. Oh, I ago. see. Yeah, you can yeah, buy kombucha. kombucha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You know, once they, you know, how much are they? Uh, are yeah. What's the therapeutic value? Or? Yeah, value. Yeah. 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 But, but a few people can make their own, and uh, they can't can't ask me for the recipe because I've got absolutely no idea how to do it. <laughs> well, with kimchi, there was something like 110 official recipes. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> so further resources, Adrian, like you've got your personalised integrative therapy and you yeah. run that as a course for people interested. Is that only available to psychologists? Yeah, no, no, it's certainly it's, it's, uh, uh, it's available to... Um, to anybody who's interested, you know, who works with people with depression and anxiety. Um, I mean, the, 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 I've got a two-day course that I've specifically developed for um, people with with um, mental health for mental health practitioners. I'll probably design one more so for um, you know, your naturopathic practitioners mm-hmm. um, because I think you know the, the course needs to change a little bit. But I'll probably start that so in 2020 or something like that. So. Gotcha. Um, and then I've also got a uh, a workbook that I've developed um, that's got lots of exercises and resources in there, and and I've also got little little workbooks that just target different modules. So if you want to then give um, people just the information on the diet, or if you want to just give them a, a little workbook on uh, the gut brain connection, then certainly uh, you know you can purchase them and give them to I've got to tell you that uh, I've looked at your session one in your workbook. You may not know about this, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You've done really good work here. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a study that uh, I'm doing at the at the present moment. We're at week nine at the moment of the study, and uh, and we're examining the effects of um, of the personalised integrative approach uh, over uh, for the treatment of people with. Uh, depression and anxiety, and we're comparing the integrative approach uh, with cognitive behaviour therapy. Uh, it's only a small pilot study, but we've got three groups. We've got a, a, a cognitive behaviour therapy group, a PI therapy group, and a PI therapy plus supplements group. And we're comparing changes over time in relation to mood, but also even dietary changes and physical activity changes and sleep changes, and uh, and seeing how they kind of go. So. I hope that uh, by um, by early next year we can uh, can have that study published. I really would like to give you an accolade here, and that is, I'm I'm so impressed by the way that you like to bring objective measures into how you're assessing change in your patients, um, because particularly when we're looking at uh, a strategy like probiotics, you know, unless you're in the research world, it's very not often looked at in a, an objective manner. And it just impresses me how you like to say, okay, well, what is, the, what is the percentage increase or decrease in symptoms so that you can, uh, you know, track the data over a period of time and say, yes, this is a valuable tool in your armamentarium to help people with mood disorders or not. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we've got lots of, you know, we've got lots of options that, you know, and I think it's good if you can have some objective measures that you can also, you know, that you can share with your clients and that provides a, you know, some good feedback for them too because it's also, it's also very difficult. If, you're, if, you're, um, if your mood drops by 20% um, and you're still depressed, mm. it's very difficult to notice that. You know, it might be, you know, yeah, I'm better, but I'm still, I can't remember how bad I was two, three weeks ago. If we can kind of go, look, look at the changes that are recurring over time, gradually over time, 
uh, it can be uh, useful to have those objective measures. Yeah, well done. Adrian Lepresti, thanks so much for taking us through the options, the therapeutic options that we have now for depression, anxiety with regards to probiotics. No problem. Thanks for having me, Andrew. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. FX Medicine is your gateway to news, resources and information on the safe, evidence-based approach to practising complementary and integrative medicine. Visit fxmedicine.com.au to sign up for e-news and stay up to date with the latest research, podcasts and industry information.